to open up this hour. We're so excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a longtime friend of the program, Cole Kubelik of the SEC Network and Jocks 94.5 in Birmingham is here with us on the show today. Cole, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're glad to be with you and uh, glad to be talking about this Auburn football team. Uh, always appreciate your insight and perspective. And uh, Cole, as, as you well know, just a super, super tough day on Saturday for Auburn against Penn State. What went wrong? Well, I think they lost the line of scrimmage first and foremost. Um, you can't, you know, be minus four in the turnovers. And obviously just some inconsistency um, at quarterback, so I think there were, there's not one thing that I could point to, J.J., and say this is the reason that that game got sideways. Um, you know, there, there are things that I would have liked to have seen. I thought that it would be a heavy load of Tank Bigsby. It, it really wasn't, and I understand that the game dictated a little bit of that, so it's hard to say that he should have touched the ball, you know, 20, 25, 30, 35 times. It's, it's obvious you get down a couple of scores, you got to find different ways to get back into the game, so but there, there were, I mean, collectively, you know, there, there were parts of the plan that I think could be different. It's easy to always go back and say that about any game. Um, and then there were some guys that just individually didn't get it done. I mean, up front on defense, there's a couple guys that, that didn't win their one-on-ones offensively, guys that didn't win some one-on-ones. Uh, I don't think all the pressures were on the offensive line. Uh, I think some were recognition. I think some uh, that were the quarterback leaving a little bit too early. That's happened in almost every, in every game they played this year. So it's really just a it's it's collective and it's guys who need to be better at taking care of the football it's guys that that need to give a little bit better effort it's guys that need to have better confidence of playing within their technique and fundamentals and 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 guys that need to go out and make plays i mean auburn needs more explosive plays on offense uh they need guys who can help the quarterback out defensively they got to take the ball away and and find ways to get off the field on third down and find a way to stop counter and power find a way to stop cutback runs those things didn't happen on saturday so very difficult for me to sit here and say if this one or two things would have been different they might have been okay because that's just not the way that i see it it's an auburn defense like you're saying that hasn't created a turnover at all this season through three games and you look at the first two games that's against lesser competition in mercer and san jose state and they just haven't walked away with a big takeaway it's a new defensive coordinator and jeff schmetting taking over uh, the team this season why do you think it's been such a struggle for this auburn defense to create turnovers cole yeah, just I mean, I think it's just they haven't been opportunistic and gone out and find different ways to take the football away. I mean, some of it, some some a lot of turnovers are forced, and you know you go you jar the football loose. That happened with Owen Papo and Sean Clifford. Ball just happened to roll to a Penn State player over by the sideline. So, I mean, some guys are attempting to make those plays, attempting to make things happen, um, but at the same time, you just, you, you've got to go find ways to get the football. And whether it's in the air, whether it's getting to the quarterback, which is, has been a problem. I didn't think that was going to be a problem this year. I thought getting to the quarterback would be something that Auburn have good success with. It's two consecutive years that they haven't had a sack against Penn State. And, and Penn State you know, hasn't had you know, offensive lines that have been on knocking on the door winning the Joe Moore Award the last few years. So it's just, again, collectively – finding ways to make things happen, finding ways to make plays, finding ways to get the ball out, to get the ball back into your hands, and those things hadn't taken place. 
You mentioned the Tank Bigsby touches as well, and that's something that we've certainly heard a lot of folks calling into the program and wanting to talk about. And the game plan is something that Harson quickly uh, brings up when, when kind of being pressed about the fact that uh, this guy didn't touch the ball at all for in the second quarter, for example, after five carries in the first, and you're down, like you said, in the second half. So sometimes you need to throw the ball a little bit more. But uh, why else? I mean, is there any other reason why you think that Tank Bigsby couldn't have been as big of a factor into this game plan? Was there anything in particular, or what exactly do you think? Harson is alluding to when he talks about that game plan. No, I, I don't. I don't have any idea, um, and I'm not gonna. I'm not even 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 gonna allude to certain things that that could be because if if those things are not real, then I'm, I don't. I wouldn't want anybody to talk about it that way because yeah. I don't. I don't have any idea what's going on with him, or or his certain relationships around the facility. So I don't think it's fair to even bring that up. But to me, I mean, I, I, when I looked at this game, I went back to last year and it was you know 21 for. You know, 110, 111, 121, whatever it was for Tank Bixby. And, and I, you know, I said on our show in Birmingham, I said, I, it's got to be well past that. Like, I was thinking in the 35, 40 carries range for Tank Bixby in this game. That's, that's kind of what I thought it had to be. I thought this was, would be a game that kind of slowed down a little bit. I didn't think Penn State was going to put the game in Sean Clifford's arm. I think what you did see, though, is Penn State put the game on Sean Clifford. He made a lot of adjustments. He did a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. I thought he was magnificent in operating the offense, which I think is the correct term to use. You know, we, we hear manage the offense, and a lot of people think, you know, there's negative connotation with that phrase, that term. Um, but I think operating the offense was something he did extremely well, and, and it was absolutely fantastic with. He caught a ball. You know, he, he ran a touchdown in. He had a couple conversions and, and made some throws when he needed to. Um, and got the ball out on time. And, and that's you know some things that Auburn quarterbacks have not done necessarily well this year. But I thought it needed to be a game where you leaned on tank heavy. And, and the, the, I guess the scariest part about it is, J.J., it looks like it was kind of going early. I mean, I know it wasn't 14, 25, 17, 11 yards, but, you know, he had one for five, he had one for nine, he had one for seven. And I'm sitting there thinking, all right, they, you know, you can build on this. Because to me, Tank Bigsby is the kind of back – and we've seen plenty of them, whether it's been Derrick Henry or Derrick McFadden or Derrick Auburn, like Rudy Johnson. I mean, Kenny Irons was kind of that back where they just seemed to welcome contact, and the further it went, the better they got. And they wanted to be a guy that got you know their 28th or 32nd carry late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, and the defense just didn't want any more of it. We haven't seen him get to that point very often. I think he's hit 30 carries once in his career. And, you know, I go back, you know, playing for Tuberville where, I mean, Rudy Johnson would be in the 30s on a regular basis. I, I, I think he went – I think Carnell went like 40 and 42 in consecutive games under Tuberville. I know he had wow. 42 in Athens one time. So that's the part that, that is a little bit baffling to me because he's a game-breaker. He's To me, he's the best player on the football team. And that guy needs more touches and more opportunities. But, you know, I did, I'm not on the field seeing it happen. You know, I'm, I'm not in the meetings drawing up the game plans, but I felt like that going in, and, I'm, and I feel like that now. I'm, not, I'm really not going to back off of it because I think he's, he's that kind of a talent, but I also think he's just that kind of a player. Physically, mentally, emotionally, I think that's more who he is, and you, you have to kind of alter your offense to that a little bit. And Cole, something obviously we talked about leading up in the season is we did talk about Tank Bigsby and, and the ability he had, Jarquez Hunter as well, but obviously we talked – a lot about quarterback play in in a day where uh, there were six sacks and quarterbacks running for their lives and having to make a, a lot of plays 
in the backfield. I, something that stood out to me was early in the game, TJ Finley, there was a sequence where Finley completed this long, third and long, I think it was to Landon King, and then Robbie Astor comes in, two straight plays, they don't really make any yards, and, and Finley comes back out. I mean, as an offensive lineman, I don't know if you had any two QB uh, rotations at at Auburn or anything like that, but, like, does it – is it kind of surprising when there is a quarterback change after a quarterback makes a big play and does it affect you at all? And and just what's going into, I guess, the decision-making of of changing these quarterbacks kind of on the fly, even if the the previous quarterback made a a great play the play prior? As long as they can verbalize the snap count the way that it needs to be, get guys in and out of the huddle or get guys to the line of scrimmage, get guys lined up. Again, I'll go back to what I said with Sean Clifford operating the offense. As long as they can handle that part of it, it shouldn't have anything to do with how anybody plays or performs. I mean, you handle your business. You do your job. And if that's a zone read to Robbie Ashford or if that's a five-step drop, five-man protection with T.J. Finley, it should make a difference. I mean, you, you take your kick set, you block the guy in front of you. Um, you know, you sift up to the linebacker, you wall him off, whatever that is. You, you do your job. Um, did it feel like there? It, it made a lot of sense, like the rhyme and reason of when one would come in, one would go out? No, not really. I mean, the, the whole thing with the two-quarterback system, and, I mean, I was – we had a couple – we, we had a time where, where Ben Leard and Gabe Gross both played, but it wasn't, you know, Gabe came in when we needed a mobile quarterback or – you know, we need to run two-minute offense, Ben would come in. I mean, it was it was more of trying to make the decision of who should be the full-time starter in, in different seasons. And, you know, there was one where it, it was determined that Gabe would be the guy late in 98, and then there was one early in 99 where it was determined Ben would be the guy. So I, I didn't really have a situation where, um, you know, red zone, certain guy comes in. Short yardage, certain guy comes in. I didn't have that. And and that's what I think we all envision, or at least I do, when I think two-quarterback system. Unless you just have, like, you know, what Lane Kiffin was dealing with early this year. I think they figured it out. Or what Jim Harbaugh was dealing with, where you say, okay, this guy's going this game, this guy's going this game, and then we'll figure it out. If we can get the other one in in that particular game, we'll try. But, you know, we're going to we're gonna let one go the distance, see how it goes, let the next one go, and then we'll figure it out. It's This is more of a situational Approach to where one guy's more dynamic with his legs, obviously gives you different things to defend. And I was fine on the second play of the game putting Robbie in and basically saying to Penn State, hey, you're going to have to defend this. We're going to run it. He's going to be in the game. He's going to be a part of the game plan. Like just putting you on notice right off the bat, be prepared for this to take place. I was okay with that. But as you stated, there was a little bit of the juggling act that, that did not necessarily seem to fit. There didn't seem to be a lot of sync, a lot of harmony with it and how it, was, how it was working out. So, yeah, I, I, I wonder sort of what the mindset was with that. But, again, I, I, don't, I don't know what's being done at the line of scrimmage, and I don't know how things are being drawn up uh, you know, during the week. So let's look forward to this Missouri game, a, a team in Missouri that is also towards the bottom of the SEC. They've got a coach that also uh, has got to have a hot seat right now in Eli Drinkwitz, and it's a game that, quite frankly, seems to be the easiest SEC game for Auburn, and it might not even be particularly close. So what do you want to see out of Auburn, especially early in that game, as they try and, and shake off what was obviously a, a brutal performance against Penn State? Well, the first thing I, I would like to see is, you know, dedication to running the football and staying with that plan for four quarters. Because that's if you have quarterbacks that are struggling, play action is going to make life easier. If you have an offensive line that's struggling, play action is going to make life easier. You're going to give them better better way to protect. So I, I, I still I, 
I'll tell you guys this. You could have me on next week. You could have me on in two weeks. You could have me on the last week of the season. It ain't going to change. Heavy dose of Tank Bigsby. And I'm not going to get away from that. Once again, he's the best player on the team. He's the most dynamic player on offense. And he is built for what I believe needs to be done. So I'm not going to change that. That, that, that opinion is not going to alter. That My mindset there is not going to be different if it's Georgia, if it's Alabama, if it's Missouri, if it's Tennessee, Tennessee Chattanooga, if it's Alabama A&M. I don't care. Like that, that, to me, is where it needs to be built and what it needs to be. And I've seen portions of it that look like it can go. I mean, go put the first two series of the game on. And, and there's evidence that it can go and it was going to go. So – I believe it can be there. I believe that offensive line, when it comes to the stretch play, has made strides, has gotten better, and they can find a way to continuously make that thing go. Um, I don't think that that group is great sitting back in five-man protection on, on a five- or seven-step drop and being asked for the quarterback to survey the field right now. So do they need some help in that area? Yeah, they probably do. But I think there are areas in the run game that could be successful and, and you could find ways for them to go. And if a team wants to put – nine in the box or eight in the box, and they want to give you one-on-ones on the outside, by God, you need to throw the fade. I mean, we've gotten to a point in college football where when you throw the ball outside the numbers down the field, I mean, it's, it's almost 75% going to go your way on offense. I mean, you're going to get a catch, an incompletion, or a pass interference. And you know, that's, the numbers are just in your favor. Take advantage of that. You'll find ways to get the ball down the field where guys can potentially go make a play. You mentioned the throw to Landon King. Like, he went up and made a grab, made a play on a ball. If you're going to get favorable numbers, then go for it. Take advantage of that. So, you know, this is a defensive line that has talent. That can they, they have guys who can play. They're not overly disciplined right now. And they will do things that don't necessarily fall into fundamentally assignment-sound football. So, again, you're running – the bad news is they play against the stretch play every day because Missouri is going to run the hell out of it too. But I think that there are ways that you could find space, create space, and get your guys going. And it, I don't – I mean, it doesn't have to be all tank. Jarquez Hunter's fine. He can get it done. You know, Austin's had a couple touches. Maybe he can help out as well. But I'm not going to get away from that's where it needs to start and that needs to be the foundation and then build around that. Last question for you, Cole, and want to open this up to the SEC. Uh, obviously, we've seen Georgia dominate early. Alabama did struggle with Texas, but did get it done ultimately. But beyond those two teams, there's a lot of storylines, a lot of ranked teams, a lot of interesting situations. Of, of all these situations beside Alabama and Georgia, what, what storyline, what team intrigues you the most so far? Uh, there's a there's a lot of different directions we could go there, but right now I'm going to say Ole Miss because I thought Ole Miss coming into the season had the biggest gap between ceiling and floor, meaning I could see them winning 10 or 11. I could see them winning 4 or 5. And it looks like they're teetering more towards 10 or 11 right now. Now, that being said, go look at who they played. Hasn't been top-level competition. Uh, but they did play an ACC team on the road last week, and they had a very convincing win. What they're doing with their run scheme right now is just unbelievable. I, I love watching it. I'm a fan of it. I think Jake Dorton's doing a good job with the offensive line. Um, I think Lane and Charlie have done a good job of mixing it up. Uh, they have a couple of plays that, honestly, I'm not sure I've seen anybody else run, like ever. Um, and the offensive line's playing good ball. They have two backs 
One, a true freshman from Pike Road, Alabama, that I have no idea how he got out of the state, who is really fun to watch. They can absolutely get it. they got a transfer tight end that's not afraid to get after it in blocking game, and he can, he can catch. And they got good receivers. They're not anywhere near as good at quarterback as they were last year, but I'm not sure it's going to matter. And the defensive numbers are fantastic. I mean, 13 points through three games is the fewest they've allowed since 1961. I don't know if the defense has made that big of strides as what some people are saying, but it looks like it might be better. And if it is with that kind of offense, then they could be a real problem. So we're probably not going to know for two weeks until they play Kentucky uh, at 11 a.m. on ESPN, but they're kind of the team that I guess has has raised my antenna more than anybody else through the first couple weeks of the season. Cole, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and talk all things Auburn football and the rest of the SEC. Thanks again for doing this today, and we'll have to talk again sometime soon, all right? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me.